Father, we thank you for the opportunity this morning to open your word and to mine its truths. We ask you to touch us with an anointing and an unction of the Holy Spirit that we might speak with grace and with truth to these people. We have come to this house to hear from you. We have come to this house to be fed with the spiritual food that you can give. We're here today sincerely, and we're here with an alert mind. We're here, O oh Lord, with full attention to what your word has to say to us. In the name of the Lord Jesus, everybody said amen. amen. Praise the Lord. In the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty, Prince of Peace, troubles vanish, hearts are mended in the presence of the King. Sing that with me. In the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty, Prince of Peace, troubles vanish, hearts are mended in the presence of the King. Just the ladies, sing it, ladies. Louder. Prince of peace, troubles vanish, hearts are mended in the presence of the King. If you believe that, then God's got a touch for you today, and you'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. Once you experience the touch of God, you'll never be the same. You know, one of the things that observers say about the early church, the first century church, was that they made the principles of their faith the practice of their living. The principles of their faith became the practice of their living. Last week, we started with a conversation between Moses and God, a conversation about God's will, God's purpose, God's intention. God has a plan right now. God has a purpose right now. God has a mission for us right now, and God has a vision for us right now. And for every vision, every mission that God has, He has an anointing to accompany that. An anointing for that specific thing to be accomplished. And that's what Moses was so concerned about was that anointing. Yes, he said, I can go, but I don't want to go unless you go with me. And God said, my presence will go with you. It will go before you. My presence will go. And we've introduced there to that uh, notion that God has visible symbols of his presence. 
the first that we find there is the is the wonderful things that were done in Pharaoh's court that the magicians were confounded because of the miracles that were done by Moses in the presence of the court of the Pharaoh that anything that the magicians could do well God could do also and better anything that the magicians would suggest God always outdid the astrologers and the soothsayers and the Epicureans and the Stoics, all of those people had to bow before the presence of our great God. And that first notion that God uses things to indicate his presence. Then we find the cloud, the pillar of the cloud, and the pillar of fire by night that led and protected and provided for Israel were visible symbols of the presence. And we come down to the point where we found out God made a, a piece of furniture to go in his house that he called the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. In fact, it's not God's house if the Ark of the Covenant is not there. Does that make any sense? In other words, if God's presence is not there, then it's just any other building. If God's presence is not there, if the Spirit of God and the anointing of God is not there, then it's just an architectural dream of some creative person. But if God's presence is there, it may look like a barn and it may be an old schoolhouse somewhere or it may be a tent somewhere or it may even be a brush arbor somewhere where you first felt the presence, but it became God's house because God's presence was there and because God's spirit was there and because God's anointing was there. And that's the thing that makes the difference is the present presence, the spirit and the anointing. It's not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. So the spirit and the presence of God are synonymous because our God is a spirit. The Bible says God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is looking for spiritual people to worship in the spirit. God is looking for spiritual people to sing spiritual songs so that you can make melody in your heart unto the Lord. Praise and presence and anointing and spirit all are synonymous. They all go together. You can't mention one without including the whole. So everything that the Lord does, he does in community. Everything God does, he does it in community. Even when he made things, he said, let us make man and our own image, the plurality of all of those, those uh, nouns right there. In fact, the name for God there is, his singular word is El, E-L. But the plural of God is Elohim, E-L-O-H-I-M, Elohim. And that's the word that it's used there in Genesis 1 and 1, where Elohim said, let us make man in our own image and in the image and the likeness of God created he him 
So it was the Spirit of God that moved upon the face of the deep, the Bible said. It was the Spirit of God that was at work when God said, let there be light, and there was light. When our God did all of those creative things, he did it in community with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all in community as they all were present when the world was formed. Even John 1, 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and without Him was not made anything that was made. Without the presence, and without the power, and without the anointing, and the Spirit, then, hallelujah, nothing was made. But everything was made because of the power of the Word of God and the Spirit that accompanies the presence of the Lord. Can you say, thank you, God, for your presence? Thank you, God, for your presence, and thank you for the anointing that makes the difference. The anointing that makes the difference. Without the anointing, you might as well be reading the newspaper. Without the anointing, you might as well be reading the financial report. Without the anointing, you might as well be reading the Wall Street Journal. And some do. But the sad part about that is, when you read those journals, you get all the bad news. And instead of having any faith and hope in it, it's nothing but dismal news and negativity. So you let that stuff make you a sad person. But if you get around the anointing, the Bible said there's joy. There's bliss. And there's pleasure evermore where the anointing is, where the presence is, where the Spirit is. Oh, we deprive ourselves of blessings from God when we don't pray in the Spirit and preach in the Spirit and sing in the Spirit. God gave us the Holy Spirit so that His presence would be with us always. In fact, God doesn't intend for there to be a time when you're not in the Spirit. In fact, he says, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. You don't have to worry about what this world has to offer if you walk by the energy and the direction of the presence of God. If the Spirit of God energizes you, then you've got a divine motivation in you that helps you keep the commandments of God and helps you walk the way you ought to walk and helps you worship the way you ought to worship. We fail God when we don't allow the Spirit to do His work in our heart and life. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 4 and 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. We must never grieve the Spirit of God. We must never participate nor uh, get involved in anything that would limit or impede or injure the presence of the Spirit of God. And I want to tell you something. He's too much of a gentleman to stay around where he isn't wanted. I said the Holy Spirit is too much of a gentleman to stay around where he isn't wanted. I don't ever want the Holy Spirit to feel as if he isn't wanted 
anywhere I am. He's, he's welcome to ride in my car. He's welcome to sleep in my bed. He's welcome to sit at my table in the kitchen. He's welcome to sit in my chair. He's welcome to be whatever he wants to be whenever he wants to be it. Because he's God and beside him there is none other. And he's sovereign. And he's everything I need. Everything I need. And will never disappoint and never will fail. And he said, and I'll never leave you. Never leave you. And he said, I will send my spirit that he may abide with you forever. God is saying this is a permanent thing between us. I don't want to leave you if you won't leave me. I'm preaching a whole lot better than y'all are shouting. Moses has this conversation with God. And then he says to God, when God says, I'm going to go with you, I've got a plan. I've got a building that I want built eventually. And said, but first, before I can build that temple on that Mount Zion, I've got to get you to Mount Zion. Right now, you're stuck in Egypt, and I've got to get you to Canaan. Come on, somebody. That means God has certain provisions for his presence. Yes. He doesn't just haphazardly throw his presence around. He doesn't just haphazardly scatter the anointing around. In fact, God is very specific about that real kind of thing. He, he says in his word, lay hands suddenly on no man. What does it mean by that? He means don't give the Holy Ghost to anybody, just anybody that you don't know. You know why that's dangerous? Because the Bible says that there, there is a strange fire. There's a strange presence. There's a strange anointing. And the devil would like to put that to work around us. There was two sons of Eli. I told you about them last week, Hophni and Phinehas. And the, and the Bible said that they convinced some people to construct some strange fire. Sons of Aaron that were prophets and were priests, so to speak. And they put together what they called a strange fire. Leviticus 9 and 23, And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. And there came a fire out from before the Lord, and it consumed upon the altar and the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw, they shouted, and they fell on their face. You see, along with this presence and along with this anointing and along with this spirit, there is a symbol, and that symbol is fire. Fire. When the baptizer, John, was in the wilderness preaching to people to make straight the path and preaching that there would one come after him, he said, there is a light that lights every man that comes into the world. But he said, but I'm not that light. But I'm the forerunner. I'm just the, the person telling you that he's coming. Because after me, there is one coming. 
And I'm not worthy to get on my knees and tie his shoes. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Well, Brother Jerry, I, I got the Spirit of God, but I didn't get that fire. Well, you missed out on the main thing. Brother, that fire is what makes the difference. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He said, John said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he that cometh after me, who is mightier than I, he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And then the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one mind and one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. That's probably the first thing you heard about Pentecost many years ago is Acts chapter 2. And still today, after all of these years, God is still anointing and baptizing with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Praise the Lord. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and there appeared unto them tongues of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled. They were all filled. Not half of them, but all of them. And they didn't get a dew drop. They didn't get a sprinkle. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Have you got that Holy Ghost baptism have you got that baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, let me tell you, it's for you, and God wants you to have it. He said the promise of God is unto you. It's unto your children. It's to your children's children, to them that are afar off, as many as the Lord thy God shall call. Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. You mean God has got a gift for me? And I haven't been by to pick it up? I hadn't got a USPS notice that God's got a gift for me, Pastor? You mean UPS hasn't emailed me and told me that there's a gift for me? No, you don't find it in FedEx and you don't find it at UPS. You find it in the back room of your heart where you bow and say, Lord Jesus, you're the Lord of my life and I want to do your will and I want everything that you've got for me. I want every benefit, every blessing that I can get that comes from you. And if you've got a gift for me, Lord, I'll show up and I'll sign the dotted line and say, yes, sir, I want that gift of God, the gift of God, 
the gift of God. Isn't it wonderful that the presence is a gift? That the anointing is a gift? That the Spirit, why do I need the Holy Spirit, Brother Jerry? The Bible said he helpeth our infirmities. Infirmities means weaknesses. Listen to what the Bible says. His Spirit helps my weaknesses. So in an area where you're really not very strong, isn't it good to know the Holy Spirit is there to kind of bridge the gap and make up for that inadequacy that you have? He helpeth our infirmity. Listen to another thing he does. The Bible said he maketh intercession for us with groanings, unutterable groanings. And wow, you mean the Lord has a way of, of interceding for me and praying for me? That in my own prayer life, the Lord and I can have a conversation together that the devil can't hear? that the devil doesn't understand, that no one else knows what God is saying to me? You mean God has got a frequency he can get on with me that no other channel but me can pick it up? Lord, you're not shouting worth a flip today. You mean God's got a gift, an information, a communication line for me? Just me? Oh, I want to yell out a big, fat, yes! Yes, he does. The Bible said, when he has come, he'll teach you all things. He'll bring all things to your remembrance when he's come. Boy, there's nothing but blessing in those words, is there? The presence of the Lord that goes with you and helps you and blesses you. Listen to the rest of Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and licensed their own and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died. Boy, that's strong medicine right there, isn't it? The fact that someone would want to mix the real fire with some strange fire, it lets you know some motives are messed up. I said some motives are messed up. There's some bad vibes right there. Strange fire. What that means is your behavior doesn't match your proclamation. You, you profess something you don't possess. You're trying to get something that's holy to flow through a worldly medium, and that won't work. You can't accomplish spiritual goals by carnal means. You can't accomplish and achieve spiritual benefits by unspiritual means. And when you try to channel God through a, a, a way that's not holy and not pure and, and not just, then he says, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to have that. 
Sometimes we want to offer God sacrifices that he said that's not pleasing to him. You know, the Bible said when Abel put his offering upon the altar to offer unto the Lord, he, he, he put it there and it was a, a lamb. And it most resembled what the Lord wanted to do, a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. But the Bible said Cain brought forth the fruits of his labors. You see, a shepherd can't birth a lamb. It takes a lamb to birth a lamb. Amen. It, it takes sheep to beget sheep. A shepherd can't beget anything. All he can do is lead, guide, protect, and provide for and give his life. But he can't produce sheep. It takes sheep to produce sheep. So the anointing of God has to be upon your life and the Holy Spirit for Unless the Holy Spirit draw a person, he cannot be saved. Unless the Holy Spirit convicts someone, they can't come to know the Lord Jesus. So the Holy Spirit and the presence of God is involved in your life every day. Every day. And let me tell you, he is grieved when we try to squelch him and when we try to squeeze him out he doesn't want to be backseat or ignored he wants to be up front up front well i don't want everybody to think i'm some holy joe or something oh don't worry they won't well i don't want anybody to think i'm self-righteous or i think i'm better than him. oh don't worry they won't i tell you what God does want. He wants some fruit in your life, on your tree, on your branch, that will let people know this branch belongs to the Lord. This is a branch that fruit grows on it, and this is a, a, a branch that is part of God's plan and part of God's program. This, this branch is in cooperation with the vine. It's attached to the vine, and because the vine gives it life and gives it strength, it has vitality and produces fruit. Amen. God help us to produce fruit in this world we're living in now. So these, these guys offered the strange fire, and sadly enough, the Lord didn't accept that. But you see, when Israel committed their great sin, right at a very critical, why does the devil hit you at the most critical time? Always the most critical time. Always. It was that they, God's trying to get them to Mount Zion. Wants to build the, the temple, the place where I can come down and meet with you. I want us to have a permanent meeting place, God said. I want us to have a permanent meeting time. That every day at that time that we meet. And I, I want us to have a schedule here. And I want us to have a temple on top of Mount Zion where we all come to worship together. I want us to be, be all together and enjoy this fellowship that we have. Amen. Amen. But something bad happened right in the middle of that. While Moses is up here getting a sermon for next Sunday, and he's up here on his knees, and God's giving him the message, and God's telling him 
the ten points that he wants him to make in the sermon. And the sermon is called the Ten Commandments. And he's got his title, and he's got his topics that he's going to give, and he's all happy. He's all helped up and said, boy, God's going to move Sunday. Buddy, God's going to come down in this house. Faye's expecting God to move in a mighty way, and God's going to move in a mighty way. And, brother, people are going to be blessed, and people are going to be touched, and people are going to be healed, and some folks will get saved, and, and we're going to shout the praises of God, and we're going to rejoice and praise the Lord. And as he's coming down from his study, He hears something. Praise Baal. Thank you, Baal. Lord, we worship you, Baal. What? Some strange fire. Done got in the wrong place. And he got on down and started, wow, that's John out there singing like that. Hey, John, hush, hush, singing to Baal. We sing to God, Creator God, not Baal the sun God. What's that shining, hitting my eyes? What's going on over there? What you got on that table over there? Well, we made us a God. We got worried about you. You've been gone a pretty good while. We didn't know what had happened to you, so we thought we would just make ourselves a god. So we got all of our gold out, and we made us a golden calf. And Moses took his sermon and tore it into pieces and threw it on the ground and broke it apart. And then he says, I better go back up to my study because God didn't tell me we was going to have an altar service like that. So he turns and goes back up to his study. And he says, oh, God, have you seen what they've done? And God said, yes, and I'm going to destroy them. Well, we know what all happened. Moses prayed, said, God, don't do this. You can't do that because your name is great and everybody in the world knows that we're your people. And if news gets around that this is the way you treat your children and treat your people, now what a terrible thing that would be on, on your namesake, God. And he said, I beg you for your namesake that you don't do this thing. And the Bible said, so God said, well, I, you're going to go to wandering in a wilderness then. Going to wander. Going to wander. How many people do you reckon are wandering today that God so many times has led them up to the door, to the promised land, to His blessing, His favor, and said, go in. But they backed up and said, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. We'll go back in the wilderness, wander some more. Something happened on the way up there, and it just messed up the whole plan of God. And, and suddenly God's got these folks, four million of them, 
all on his hands, and he finally has to rain down manna to feed them, and he finally has to get a rock that's mobile to run around in water and give all of them water. How in the world they found a rock big enough that would give four million people water to get by with? I don't know. That's another miracle of God I'll have to ask about. But God said, it shall come to pass, Isaiah 2 and 2, it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. And many people shall go and say, come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And I'm going to skip down here because I want you to get this before you go. In Isaiah 63 and 9. In their affliction, he was afflicted. Aren't you glad to know that God's in this with us? In his affliction, in their affliction, he was afflicted. God shares in our dilemma. When you're in trouble, if you'll look around, he's there. I said, if you'll look around, he's there. When something's going on in your heart, in your life, your family, your job, that's hard and difficult to get through, if you'll just look around, He's there. He doesn't leave you because times get hard. And he doesn't leave you because somebody turned the light out and suddenly it's dark. He doesn't leave you when someone else says, I found somebody else. He doesn't leave you when the bank calls and says your balance is negative. He doesn't leave you. I said, he don't leave you. He's still with you even when times get difficult and hard, when things are afflicted, when when pain and sorrow and hurt are going on all around you, He doesn't leave you because when you're afflicted, He's afflicted. The Bible said He's touched by the feeling of our infirmities. That means He's in this with us. He's not a spectator somewhere looking on. He's right here in the battle with us. He's right here fighting alongside us. He's right here giving us the strength and the energy to be the people of God. Don't ever think that God withdraws his presence or his power. When he, you're afflicted, he's afflicted. He's in this with us. And listen at the next. And the angel of his presence saved them. The angel of his presence. Did you know God has got an angel whose business is nothing else but the presence of the Almighty? You mean God's got an angel like that? That his concentration, his field of, of expertise, his one concern is worship and praise and presence? God's got an angel of the presence. Whoo! Now, hey, I, I, I just put another arrow in your quiver. 
How's that? Next time you pray, say, Lord, send that angel of the presence. Send that angel of the Holy Spirit. Send that angel of the power of God. Send that angel of the anointing. Send that angel that is afflicted when I'm afflicted. And listen to what that word says. He saved them and he redeemed them and he brought them out of their affliction. Wow. He saved them. His presence, the angel of his presence. Now I wondered who that might be. Surely we'd get a, an angel that had some experience, wouldn't we? If we're going to get an important job like that, angel of the presence had to be somebody that knew what they were doing. So I thought, well, I'll just get in the Word of God and I'll find it. I found out about a warring angel whose name was Michael. And I found out about a messenger angel whose name is Gabriel. But I couldn't find an angel whose name was presence of God. And I got to wondering... Who in the world is this angel of the presence? I finally decided that I may not know what his name is, but I know what he does. And because I know what he does, I'll find out his name when the time comes. Because he's that same angel, you know, that saves and delivers and redeems. He saves, he delivers, and he redeems. That's what it says right here. The Lord of the presence saved them and redeemed them and delivered them. Wow. You know, in the Wesleyan tradition, Wesleyan Pentecostalism. My grandfather was a church planting pioneer of Christian faith and practice. And among the few books that he had in his library when he died, there was one little black book about that big and about that wide. And when I found it, I was somewhat surprised by the title of it. And those of you who are older have hair like me, I say. You would know it well, but these young chaps, they probably wouldn't get it. It was a book called Treasure Island. Treasure Island. And I thought, what would my grandfather be doing with a book called Treasure Island? It's about this traveler whose name was Robinson Crusoe. And he was banished to an island that he thought was uninhabited. But one joyous day, Susan, while walking on the sandy beach of that deserted island, he saw some footprints. And when he saw those footprints, he knew... I'm not alone. I'm not alone. And I, I looked down there and there was a little note 
that an elderly man had written there that said something like, the Lord is the God of the footprint. He is the God of the footprint. He's what lets me know that he's been there before I get there. That's what lets me know that I'm not alone on a deserted island somewhere by myself. That he's with me every step that I take. He already is aware that I'm here. He's already been here. He's already knows the situation. And he's already worked out my redemption and worked out a revival for me. Praise God. So now I know why he kept that book. Because it kept reminding him that I'm not alone. That every day I get up, every day I wake up, God has already been there because I see his footprint. I see where he's walked. I, I see where he's been. And because he's been there before me, he has secured that day for me. And I'm safe to walk in that day because my heavenly Father has made a way for me. That angel, that angel. Which one you reckon it was, Brother Jerry? I think it might have been that fourth man in the fire. Might have been that fourth man in the fire. Because you've heard me preach it so many times. They put three in, and they saw four, and three came out. One was left in. And that's because he's the Lord of every fiery situation. That means he is God over every impossible thing that comes your way. That means that he is Lord, that he is sovereign, that he is God over all things and all people, that nothing confounds him. He's the fourth man in the fire. That's who that angel is. Well, he's also the angel who shut the mouths of the lion. In Daniel's lines then, Daniel cried out to the king and he said, O king, live forever, for the Lord hath sent his angel this night and hath shut the mouths of the lions. Or it may be the angel who led Peter out of prison while the church prayed. Because while Peter slept, an angel of the Lord came and told him to put on his sandals and led him out of the prison over to the place where they were praying for him. Or maybe it was that, that angel that went down to Gideon's threshing floor and said, O thou mighty man of valor. And he said, A mighty man of valor? Who do you think you're talking to? I'm just a fellow working in a threshing floor here, threshing wheat. And you're telling me I'm a mighty man of valor? Yes, because God's got big plans for you, Gideon. He's going to make you a soldier that will win battles with a few handful of people. He's going to give you a, a blessed deliverance and a blessed revival all because you are a person that God has chosen to work in your life. Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. Fight the good fight of faith. God has sent his presence upon you. Might be that angel who cast Satan into that bottomless pit. That angel had a lot of power too. 
20th chapter of the book of Revelation said, I, I saw an angel. Didn't give his name, just said, I saw an angel. And said he came down from God out of heaven. And he said he had a chain in his hand. That's probably that same angel that was in the fire. That same angel that was in the lion's den. That's probably that same angel that came down from God out of heaven with a chain in his hand. And the Bible said, and he went over and laid hold upon that old dragon, that old serpent who is the devil. That sounds like that angel, don't it? And the Bible said that angel laid hold on him, captured him, arrested him and carried him over to the bottomless pit, slid the lid off of it, and threw him in it, pulled the seal back, put his foot up on it, and said, For a thousand years there will be peace on earth and goodwill to men. That's probably who that angel was. Or it may have been that angel that was camped on that ridge when Elisha walked out, and Elisha said to his servant Gehazi, open the eyes of this my servant so that he can see. He's scared to death. He thinks we're going to get killed. He thinks we're going under. He thinks we're defeated. But Lord, if you would open his eyes and let him see. And the Bible said the scales fell off of Gehazi's eyes and he looked up to the ridge and he saw chariots of fire lining the whole ridge surrounding the people of God. But I think that angel will also be the one that the Bible said in the end will take death and hell. Sin is the greatest enemy that man has. And the soul that sinneth shall surely die. Death is the penalty. Death is the result of sin and wrongdoing. So thanks be to our God who goes over and lays hold upon death and hell, walks over to the edge of the lake of fire and casts death and hell into the fire forever. As if to say to you, it will never bother you again. You don't have to fear you don't have to worry. You don't have to have anxiety because I'm going to take care of death and hell for you. I've cast them into the fire. There'll be no more. Who is this deliverer? Who is he talking about, Pastor? Verse 1 in Isaiah 63 said, Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? You see, the sworn enemy of heredity was the children of Esau, Edom. And the Bible says that every Israeli that was born was born knowing that Edom is your enemy because there was war between Jacob and Esau forever. Still is even today. And the Bible said they war against thee. They are enemies forever. And who is this that cometh from Edom? Basra is the capital city of Edom. 
And a runner is saying, Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? Is this that person that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength? I that speak in righteousness might, he is mighty to save. Who is this champion that I see coming back from Edom who has vestures, kingly, royal vestures, but they're all splattered with blood from a war that he has fought? Who is this one that has come back from the battle, back from the battleground, back from the enemy, back from the capital city, Wherefore art thy garments red in thine apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine fat? I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none to help me. None were with me, for I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. For the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. And I looked, and there was none to help. And I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore, mine own arm brought salvation unto me. And my fury, it upheld me, that zeal of the Lord. And I will tread down the pillar and the people in mine anger and make them drunk in my fury, and I will bring down their strength to the earth. I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord hath bestowed on us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel which he hath bestowed on them according to his mercy. Who is this one who is able to stand against the enemy who has this blood splattered on his garment? This one that is so stained with the red of the blood from battle. Who is that? In Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11, John the Revelator said, I saw the heavens open, and I saw one that sat upon a white horse. And said he had a name written on his thigh that said, Faithful and True. Out of his mouth was a sword, sharp, two-edged sword to smite the nations. And he had on a vesture that was dipped in blood. Who is this angel of the presence? This angel of the presence. What I believe that angel of the presence is that on the greatest Sunday morning this world has ever seen. In all of history, the greatest Sunday morning ever to appear on a calendar about the dawning of the day. The Bible said there was a great earthquake and a great shaking. And the stone, an angel came and rolled away the stone. And the Bible said, and Jesus arose. Praise God. Jesus arose. You see the garment stained with the blood. 
when there was none to help, none to uphold, none that stood with him, abandoned by all of earth and abandoned by all of heaven, hanging suspended on a cross between the two as if abandoned by both. And there alone on Calvary's cross, he redeemed us, he delivered us, and he saved us. And he is none other than the angel of the presence of the glory of God. Stand with me, please. Now sing it like you mean it. In the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty, Prince of Peace, troubles vanish, hearts are mended. In the presence of the King. Oh, I just feel like today somebody needs to get in that presence and feel that unction and feel that anointing and feel that, that Holy Spirit power so that you can be released. You, can be, you may have come in here with all kind of fetters and bondage. You may have come in here with sadness and grief in your heart. You may have come in here with some worry and anxiety about something that has hurt you and something that can't happen the way you have planned for it to happen and you have just been kind of walking by faith and not by sight can i tell you that the angel of the presence this morning can lift that burden from you and let you know that everything is in god's hands and if it's in god's hands then god will take care of everything take care of everything would you just lift your hand right up toward heaven right there and pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I love your presence. Love to be in your presence. And I thank you today that you're the Lord of the presence. You died for me. And you won the battle for me. And I'm saved, redeemed, and delivered because you did it for me. And in Jesus' name, I pledge to you that I will live for you, I will serve you, and I will worship you the longest day that I shall live. I'm looking forward to celebrating your victory in heaven with all the redeemed. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now give him some of that... 30 seconds of praise that you're famous for. Hallelujah. Praise God. Bless his name. Thank you, God, for all you've done for us. Thank you that the Lord of the presence is with us in this house. The Lord of the presence. Blessed be God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to your name, Lord Jesus. We give you praise. God, now dismiss us from this place, but not your sight. And we'll ever seek to give you thanks and glory and worship for all that you do for us. In the name that is above every name, be honor and power and glory and dominion now and forevermore, world without end. Amen and amen. 
God bless you and God go with you. You have the greatest week you've ever had. In Jesus' name.